0: We're in week number two of Chosen, and man, this is just something that's been on my heart for a period of time for us to do in partnering with World Vision, and so I'm excited today for us to step into week number two, which is the Reveal Party. Uh, we have individuals in the house here today that signed up last week to sponsor a child at $40 a month, and this last Wednesday in Kasanda, uh, uh, Tanzania, in Africa— the there's 130 children that walked into a tent with all of our pictures of our church hanging on string. And those children chose us, those that signed up. And so we got a reveal party. Then we're going to move towards that. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, But it's a, it's a good day for those that are parents inside of here. This is your last day of summer. Just FYI. At least it is for us. School's starting tomorrow, and I cannot be more happy. Yeah, I'm super stoked to get back in the grind of the school year, drop these kids off, you know, get to work and get some things done, not worrying about what they're doing at the house or whatever. I don't leave my kids at the house, and they're not young enough for that, in case you're assuming that I do. I do not leave my kids at the house. You're like, wait, Pastor, maybe you do because they're teenagers. You can do that, I think. I don't know in this day and age. Okay, they did whenever I was a teenager, but you got your last day of uh, summer, man. It's it's been a good summer. It's been a great summer. Uh, we I've been able to do some things. This is the first time I'm preaching in like three weeks, uh, which is cool, and I'm I'm stoked to be back and preaching and getting into this. We're gonna get into some of the, the nitty gritties, the fundamentals here today. Uh, so go with me on this. How many of you guys have been in that place where? You know, somebody just did something that you did not like to you, and it took everything in um in your spiritual maturity not to lay hands on somebody. Anybody ever been there? Come on, anybody been there? You know what I'm talking about, right? Heather had a few weeks ago. She had that same instance where a lady tried to cut in front of us at the aquarium, and she would not have a That in Jesus' name, okay? in Jesus' name. She about to lay hands on somebody like. You are a doctor and married to a pastor. Hello. (laughs) You need to calm down right now. Uh, Anybody ever had some uh, service sometimes where it felt like you had to be the one that was uh, uh, caring for yourself, but you weren't the one getting the tip? You ever been there before? Yeah. you You ever been somewhere where somebody just copped an attitude with you for no reason? You're like, what's wrong with you? Well, I didn't do nothing. I didn't say nothing to you. Sometimes you just wake up and you look too good for somebody's apathy, right? You know, like, I am sorry that you don't know how to put yourself together. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you don't know Jesus and you're not walking in the blessing. I am sorry. Okay. I am highly favored. I've been knit and fashioned in my mother's womb by my heavenly father. I am a child of the king. I am sorry. Right? (laughs) Sometimes we just got to say that to ourselves. You know, there's moments and times in our life where people... Are just hard to love. Let's be honest, right? People are just hard to love for whatever reason. They have the wrong attitude, the wrong perspective, the wrong mentality. And, and we have these moments in time whenever we are treated unjustly, we are treated unfairly, we are treated with, um, with frustration for no reason. You know, We're, we haven't done anything. You know, oftentimes in moments like this, it takes everything with inside of us to say, God, we're not going to respond the way in which we are being treated. What is the golden rule? Come on, somebody. Love others and treat others as we would want to be treated as ourselves. All right? The golden rule. You know, if you get down to the fundamentals, when, when you come into life and, you know, there's a certain way of living and, and, and conducting ourselves whenever we're younger, when we're growing up, when we're teenagers, it's a lot of just, we do what we want, how we want, as long as it's in alignment with our parents' house, we don't want to get a whipping every single day, although Brindley in my life loves getting those every single day. But when we're growing up as teenagers, we're trying to be nurtured into behaviors, you know, the value system of the home, the importance of the home, you know, the, the rules, the morality of the home. And and we can be nurtured into a certain way of living and in a certain way of acting. And and uh, as we grow up, we, we, we come into this place of adulthood where we begin to look at life and say, well, what is this thing all about? Like, am I really supposed to be self-centered? Am I really supposed to just live and have a career and build my life? And and that's what it's supposed to be. It's really about me gaining and attaining. It's really about me having this nice thing that brings happiness. And then, you know, we start to have these questions as we age. There's a certain level of ignorance we live in as teenagers, but when we become adults, right? Right. We, we can live a certain way as children, but when we become adults, we start to see and think differently. As we begin to ask these questions, there's a lot of things we, we begin to ask. Is like, okay, well, what is the importance of life? What is the purpose of life? What is the what is the intention of my existence? Am I just here to breathe and live and, and gain and attain? Or is there something greater than, than just me? Is there something greater than just my kingdom? Is there something greater? And all these questions are swirling around as adults because at the end of the day, if we are an adult that wants to live a life bigger than ourselves that has eternal impact, then we ask the questions on, well, what should we be doing? How should we be conducting ourselves today? You know, this question is not a new question. I think it's a question that every generation has to ask. Every generation has to come to themselves and say, what, what am I doing? How how am I supposed to be living? What is the the things the most important things I should be doing? And you know there was a moment in time, and it was referenced last week by Pastor Josh, and I'll jump into it today. But but you know there's a moment in time where Jesus has proposed a question: what, what is the greatest commandment? I think that's the question that we all ask. Is like what is the greatest things that we should be doing here today? There's a lot of things that we're doing, but. Are they meaningful? Are they impactful? Are they making a difference? Is it, is it lasting or is it temporary? I mean, are is the decisions we're making on a daily basis making a difference? Is it really changing things? Or is it self-centered? Is it is it myopic in perspective? It's it's an emotional response to a need. I'm, I'm constantly living by an emergency. You know, when this infraction happens, then I respond. And when this happens, then I respond. And then whenever I gotta pay a bill, then I go work and I'm constantly living by emergencies rather than by design and by plan and by wisdom. You know, as we begin to formulate and, and, and develop as individuals, we come to this place to say, man, there's got to be something bigger than just this. There's got to be more. You know, at one point in time, Jesus would be asked, and if you want to take notes, you can write this, this is the title of the message today, when uh, when. Uh, Or you've done unto me. You've done unto me. You just write that across the top of your paper. But there's a moment in time where there's this individual. He's known as a lawyer. Uh, He would be of the Pharisee group. He's an individual that is skeptical. Um, The the challenging thing about understanding the the Eastern world, the time in which Jesus lived in, if you look at the there and then, it was a a society that was very argumentative. uh, Very, um, the the dialogue was a big thing. It's something that is lost in our our society today, and it's it's a it's a problem in, in our society. You know, universities used to be a place of dialogue. Uh, it used to be a place where multiple thoughts can come in, rather than indoctrination. It's information, and then decisions are made by students on what they believe. Now it's indoctrination on this is what truth is, as opposed to these are ideas that are out there. You get what I'm saying? You get my flow? You get my role? Um, but that's the Marxist. That's their tactic. That's the way they get in there and manipulate a generation and manipulate a society to be divisive, to bring down an entire institution. Guess what? We're in America right now. That's what we're living in. But um, you know, we we uh, the the Jewish culture was very. Um, uh, uh, dialogue was a part of their normal routine, throwing ideas out there, trying to discover what truth is. The Bible would say this, and an ancient writer would say that, a forefather would write this, and they would throw these ideas out there. Well, the same thing is at play right here, the there and then of this story that we read about is Jesus being contacted, by an individual that is trying to test him. Test him in his knowledge. Test him in his understanding. And the question would come to him and say, well, what is the greatest commandment? If you look inside of Matthew 22, verse 35, it says, one of them, the lawyer, asked him a question. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, if you've read this before, maybe you don't know this, but for those, uh, for those of us here, man, willing to hear, he would say this, the first thing off, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your mind. The first response inside of here is a very familiar response to the Jewish individuals, a Pharisee, a Sadducee, an individual that is well-versed in the community, the Jewish customs. Why? Because in Deuteronomy 6, whenever Moses is downloading from God how his children, how his people are to conduct themselves, how they're supposed to live, Deuteronomy 6 is a scripture that is spoken to them just after Deuteronomy 5 that lists out the Ten Commandments or Exodus 20 that lists out the Ten Commandments. You look in Deuteronomy 6, Here's what every Jewish individual knows and in, in which Jesus is echoing. He says this in verse number four. Oh, hero oh, uh, oh Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. The first statement off the bat is there's not multiple gods. There's one God and he is one. He is a sovereign God. He is the God of all creation. There is only one God. You can serve the God of Moloch or any other God, but we as Jewish individuals, we serve one God. He's making it very clear. He goes on to say in verse number five, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your head and they shall be a uh, frontlets Shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Bam! Man, that's so awesome. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, here's the deal. The last part of this, you shall, um, when it talks about in here, uh, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and, and they shall be a frontlet between your eyes. In this culture, I mean, these people took this so seriously that they would take these little boxes, these leather boxes, and they would put them on their heads. If you've ever seen it, they call them um, flectories, flectories. There you go. Wow, that was a shout out. You know what they are, man. I was like, do you have a Jewish hat on for a second? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Felicaries, these felicaries that, that they would have, these boxes they would put on their head and these leather straps they would wrap on their arms. And to this day, you can look in the Jewish community and they still will wear these things because the community took this so seriously. The patriarchs of the family would set up the entire structure of the family to live lives to honor God. Three times a day, they would pray this prayer. The Shama is what it's called in the Jewish um, faith pray the Shama. You pray this. The Lord is one. We shall love the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and mind. All of it, all of who we are, we shall love the Lord. Now, Jesus is speaking something very clear. And I'll just tell you today, it is, this may be for a, for a Christian, the easiest thing. Once you've come into the light, the easiest thing to do is to love God. Loving God is an easy thing to do. You know, for Jewish people, it's easy for them they got it. They got the, everything. Their society is built around it. All the families are serving it. You can't get up in life unless you're living it. I mean, it's the entire society, on Sundays, they shut the whole thing down. For them, it was Saturday. They shut the whole party down. Nobody's working. Nobody's doing anything. Why? Because we honor God with one day of our life. The entire community is set up to love the Lord. It's all around them. That's the easy thing to do. But number one, if you want to write this down, here's the deal. The hard thing about the God thing is loving God's creation. The hard thing about the God thing is loving God's creation. I mean, it's easy, right? We we, we come to Jesus, you know, whenever we're in need, whenever we have challenge, whenever we have struggle, we come to Jesus and we come to him because we need something. The Bible tells us that we come with nothing. We have nothing. We have a need inside of our lives, and man, when you have need, you will do anything in order to receive an answer to a prayer, receive a, a uh, uh, provision to your life. When you have a need, I mean, people will late, wait in food lines for hours on end because they have a need of food. When you have a need... Man, it's easy to go. It's easy to do this. You can look inside of the scripture, man. It was easy to come to Jesus, man. I got a blood issue for 12 years. Where do I need to go? I've been going everywhere else. Let me get to Jesus. That's an easy, I'm going to a source of help for my... are those that realize that they are sinners. happier? are those that realize that they are messed up. Happy are those. And then it says, because you will be comforted. If you, if you realize how jacked up you are, then the spirit of God will comfort you because you got a humility about your life to realize what you don't have and what you can't do. And so you'll constantly live in this place that Matthew 5, 3 talks about. God blesses those who realize their need for him for they will inherit the kingdom of God. It's this depravity, this understanding, this realization on, man, I need God. I'm walking in humility towards him. God, I need you. And when we are in that place, when we have that passion inside of our lives, it's very easy to move towards God's creation with love. Wherever we go inside of our lives today, it's division, 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 division. Right? Well, Either you're for border security or you're not for border security because you're a racist. Right? It's division everywhere. Either you are anti-vax or you're vax Either you're a murderer because you're not wearing a mask and you're not vaxxed or you're... There's division everywhere. Either you're a Democrat or a Republican. Either you're X or Z. It's constantly everywhere inside of our society, drawing lines, pitting people against each other. And here's the deal. The same thing is being set up inside of the, uh, the religious group of people. Either you are a Jewish individual or you are not. Either you know what we know and you believe what we believe, or we don't love you. The reality is, people are hard to love. Jesus broke that mold. Jesus destroyed that mold. Jesus completely brought that system down and said, We're not going to separate anybody. All have fallen short of the glory of God, all can receive the free gift of God, all have equal access. I, anybody who comes to me, anybody who comes to me shall receive eternal life. Jesus broke down the entire system and set it back up that if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, there no longer is labels on individuals. All are a part of God's creation deserving of our love. And so Jesus would answer the question on the back end of it. The hard thing about the God thing is loving God's creation because there's fall, fallen, fallible people. People got issues. People got pride issues. People got challenges. People are you know hurt they're, and they're growing up of their nurturing. They've been abused, You know whether it's sexually, emotionally, physically, whatever it is, been abused inside of their lives and usually abuse people, hurt people, hurt people and abuse people. And so we live in a broken, fallen world with broken people that are trying to. To do something, build something, living by something, and more than likely, people aren't living according to the truth of God. So what happens? Broken people break people, hurt people, hurt people, wounded people, wound people. And so as the believers in the body of Christ, Jesus would enter a new idea to love our neighbors as ourselves. The golden rule is treat others as you would want to be treated, as he would also say the golden rule inside of here, the two things he says, give everything to God, do all you can for your creator, live to honor him, worship him. And as you move from this place, if you move in this direction, if you are doing the love for God, you will move towards the heart of God, people. You can see multiple times over where where Jesus would break down this system. Man, these lost things that he would find them, the lost pearl, the lost coin, the lost son. We've had this conversation that heaven is flipped upside down for the sake of finding lost things. Sometimes I find myself as the brother in the lost story, thinking, why Are you so stupid that you took this money, you went to Vegas, and you wasted the money, and now you have some need in your life? (laughs) Come on, anybody else like me, please, help me out today, okay? (laughs) We can get frustrated with people when we're like, you've self-inflicted pain and need on yourself, so why do I need to come to your aid? You have ate yourself into a heart attack. Why do I need to come to the hospital and pray for you? Just saying. (laughs) Right? You have spent yourself into financial ruin. Why do I need to give you $100 to pay your light bill? Well, I'm just being real with you, okay? Sometimes I'm the brother in the prodigal son's story where I'm like, you are dumb. You wasted the money. Why are we allowing them to come back? How about we just take them out back and just say, good riddance, you know? I don't necessarily think it that way all the way there. but I'm trying to channel my inner you right now, okay? But you're with me. You self-inflicted this need on you. Ah! You deal with it. You figure it out. You work for it. You know, you've been here. How do we find ourselves in a place? where we have grace because the same exact love and grace that has met us in our poor decisions is the same thing Jesus is saying, you do also. You didn't deserve it, but I gave it. There's nothing you did to deserve it or earn it. It was all a free gift. And so here's the deal for you and I as believers We got to remove ourselves from the world's mentality, the world's thinking. We got to push away from those ideas and say, we will not think as the world because we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And what we know about our our Savior is when we were at our worst, he was operating in his best. And when people are at their worst, self-inflicted or not, we're going to be at our best because God has blessed us. The abundance of God has flowed into us. And we don't want that abundance of God to stay with us. We want that abundance of God to flow through us. Amen. Come on, somebody. Come on. We want it to flow through us. The challenge is, we get it. The challenge is loving broken people. It's been the same issue from the beginning of time. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the same thing. These people are unholy. They're unrighteous. Separate ourselves from them. Let's keep some distance from them. And Jesus defied all of their understanding, all of their knowing, and he met people in their brokenness, in their pain. He fed people, he healed people, he encouraged people that the Jewish people would never, would never interact with. He broke down their system in order to reveal the heart of the creator of the universe. Amen. So here's how we do it. The question of how, we know we got to love God, we got to give him everything. These are fundamentals. We got to love God, we got to give him everything. We got to set up disciplines inside of our lives that we don't get caught in the routine of life. We get caught in a discipline to serve God in everything that we do. Everywhere we go, our interactions, we want the Holy Spirit that, that is present there, that we are operating according to his design and his plan for our lives. That's what we want. It's not something we, we just do overnight. We wake up tomorrow and say, like in his plan for our lives. That's what we want. It's not something we, we just do overnight. Goats on his left. So during this period in time there and then, the context was is that sheep could handle the cold of night. So the shepherd, as they were coming in for night, he would separate the sheep from the goats. He would say, goats over here, you guys got to gather up, you got to herd around in order to sustain through the night because they, they couldn't keep the warmth. So he's using an analogy here that at the end of time, he, he's sitting on his throne with separate these sheep from the goats, the difference of the two individuals. He goes on to say, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 38, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did you see, uh, when did you, when did we, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, You did it to me. Loving our neighbor, Jesus answers it right here in Matthew 25, is doing for the least of these, those that are in need. In the American context, we gotta be careful on the arrogant complex, like, oh, look at us, we have all this provision. Oh, you're in need, God bless you. We are blessed, but we're blessed to be a blessing. It's the whole reason why the founding fathers set this nation up is that we would be removed from a monarchy that would rob us of all of our wealth, that the individual would have freedom to gain and attain and protect themselves and build life and family and industry. That was why our founding fathers did what they did. Now, these, are being, these freedoms are being stripped away every single day through manipulation taxes. You can go down that road. But the whole purpose was that you could work hard That you could pull yourself up from anywhere inside of life, and you can gain, and you can receive, and you can be blessed by God, and you can bless others. You know, the church was the number one charitable organization in the world roughly about 100 years ago, before America has been taxed beyond belief. And now the things that the church used to do, the government is now taking credit for it. We're going to take it from you. We're going to use our ideals and our belief system, whatever it may be. It may be righteous or unrighteous, but in the morality of man and our truth, we're going to put all these organizations on to help people that are in need by taking from you to do it. This is something that God has called us to do as the body of Christ, to be here to help. And that's what we do. I mean, a monthly basis, our church is doing that. We're helping people that are in need. Jesus, when you have done to those that are in need, you are doing it to me. Now, don't get caught in a complex that you got to do all of them all the time. You're doing all this stuff. Live a life where you're present. Live a life where you're led by the Holy Spirit. Live a life where then when you see need, whatever the need may be, you respond to the need. I remember Heather and I were at a moment in in our life where we were in some need right out of uh, right when we got married and uh, she was in med school and and we were we, we were broke as a joke and uh, we didn't have a lot of money in our bank account. And I remember coming to a moment in time in our lives when, you know, we were like, finances were a little low. And I was a student pastor at the time and I was working at the church. And one of our, one of the parents came up to me and said, pastor, you know, he said, I just want to thank you for all you're doing. And he gave me this handshake and he had a hundred dollar bill inside of it. And I was like, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I'm getting McDonald's tonight. (laughs) Big Mac, hello, somebody. No $2 tacos or dollar tacos from Taco Bell anymore. I'll just tell you, the glory of the Lord is not buttermilk sauce and them tacos. I don't know what's in those tacos, but the glory is in the ranch dressing. When you dip it in there and you eat them, you may not live for very long, but man, you will live good while you do. In Jesus' name, right? You with me? You feel me? (laughs) He blessed me with $100. We were in need. Now I'll tell you, at points in time in my life, I've struggled with false humility. I'm just going to throw it out there. False humility is this, oh, I don't need it. I'm good. No, I'm good. Acting like, you know, I'm just better than your gift that you want to give me. I'm good. And the Lord had to really work, work on my life. I mean, he's really had to work on my heart to be like, bro, if you can't receive, then you can't give. Heather and I have always had uh, a heart to give. We want to bless. We want to give. I told you guys about the first salary, the first $30,000 Heather made as a resident. We gave all of it away. We We wanted the first year of her being a doctor to be completely blessed. We wanted to give that back to God through generosity, through tithing, through blessing the church and building the kingdom. So the rest of her entire doctorship, whatever it is, I don't even know if that's how you say doctorship, entire career would be blessed by God because we gave the entire first fruits of her earnings back yeah. when she was a resident. She's paid differently now as a doctor, as a resident. You're like, 30 grand. I not, I'm not going to school anymore. Some of you guys about to quit <laughs> medical school. <laughs> That's not. Okay. You're paid more as a doctor. Okay. Now here's the deal. It's our heart. It's who we are. It's what we want to do. It's what we want to live. It's what we want to model. It's how we want to live. We want to be generous. But sometimes in that, in that, like, we don't need anybody else. I can have that false humility. But if you can't receive, you can't give. And being led by the Spirit and being spiritually mature is you can receive a gift whether you are in financial need or you are not. To this day, I still receive gift cards from people in the church and I love you for it. Do we need them? Absolutely not. Do Heather and I use them on date nights? Yes, we do. (laughs) Amen. It's awesome. But... I want to be able to receive somebody comes to me and says, pastor, whether I'm in financial need or not, says, I feel like God has told me to bless you with this. I'm not going to sit back and be like, no, you heard wrong from the Lord. Uh, Take your gift and take your gift. Okay. (laughs) What I want to do is I will receive these gifts. I will receive a gift from somebody. I'm saying gifts as if it's plural. Okay. Then prison And spending time with somebody. What what else can you do for somebody in prison when you meet somebody in prison? You go to a hospital, sometimes you don't know what to say, but just your mere presence and your prayers bring hope and healing. We want to be led by the Spirit. This is what God has called us to do. We want to love God with everything we are. We want to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we want to operate in a place when we do for the least of these around us, as Jesus is saying, you've done it for me. You've done it for me. And this is exactly what I think we've done this past week. As I said, 20 years ago, Heather had a dream and uh, essentially how the dream went that she was uh, in what we believe to be Africa. She was carrying a, um, I should probably let you tell the story. We didn't talk about this before. You want to tell the story? She's like, heck no, don't get me up here. But she was carrying, was it two babies? Were you carrying two babies? You were carrying one baby and we had a little baby. Amen, in Jesus' name. But we knew in that moment that we were going to be called to Africa at some point in time, to do something in Africa. It's so us 20 years ago, and us just working a period of time, we've partnered with World Vision, Heather and I, and we were, uh, we were supporting a child in Africa. His name was Innocent. He was in Uganda. Um, and so we've done things throughout time. We've blessed a missionary that went over to Africa. We've done certain things to bless Africa. But in this I was praying three years ago, and man, I just heard the word Tanzania. I don't know where Tanzania is. I looked up Tanzania. I'm like, oh, it's in Africa. Oh, cool. Okay, God, what do we do? He's like, start something. So three years ago, it was like we've been having these conversations, and I talking to World Vision, talking to Reward, which has been a part of our church when we started this out, and um, we started. I I literally had to sign an NDA for this chosen deal when they started it three years ago, and right before COVID hit, we were about to launch into child sponsorship. And uh, I was going to go over to Africa. The whole thing was going to happen, but then we had to put a halt to all of it. And here we are. I just had, is anybody else like me, you feel like the last like year and a half is a blip. Like when you go to say something, you're like, oh yeah, like two years ago. And it was like three and a half or four years ago. It's like COVID just like, you don't, I don't know what happened to the last year and a half. I'm just like, oh, what happened? And so literally, that's kind of like what this whole thing. is like, we we're about to do it. Now we are three years away and we we're about to start this in Tanzania, but here we are today. And you know, last week we had individuals in our church that put, where, put their uh, money where their heart is and their, their life, where their values are and said, hey man, I want to sponsor a child at $40 a month. You know, when we first started this, like I went to World Vision. I was like, hey, what can we do in Tanzania? And they're like, ah, oh, we're not doing anything. You can't do anything. I was like, okay, we'll come back to me when you can. Because I'm not going to change my vision. I want, we want to do something in Tanzania. We're buying coffee today from Tanzania. We want you to taste the place before you ever get to meet the people. Today's the day. Like This whole thing is now we get to meet some people. We get to sponsor some children. It's 9,000 miles away. But nonetheless, there's a group of people that are in need. Today, the need inside of Kasanda, Tanzania, in Africa, is their young girls are being sold off into child marriage, because the parents can't support their kids. They need a stable economy, in order that their families can go and work and receive income in order to provide for their families, that so they don't have to sell their children off into child marriage. That's a big need in their in their in their world today. They they have a need for a ten dollar medical pack to be given to moms that are about to give birth to increase, uh, to lower the mortality rate. I think it's one in five children die from childbirth simply because they don't have a $10 pack with medical supplies for the doctors to use while they're giving birth. I mean, these are simple, subtle things that you and I take for granted every single day that is a massive need there. Now it's not us coming in as the Western world and like, let us bless you. This is God has blessed us God has enriched our lives. God has saved us. And the least that we can do is help you. And we want to start right here. Check out this video of the moms, the praying moms, that have been wishing and waiting for a day like this. Their response is they set this up. They set a tent up. They got a whole day this last Wednesday where all these kids showed up to choose us. Check out these moms before the event ever happened as they're singing. Come on, check it out. know what they're saying? This is what these praying mothers are saying, because we chose, we, we stepped up to say, we want a sponsor. This is what they're saying. This is what they're singing. They're saying, let him be exalted. God are today. Let him be exalted. Lord of lords. Let him, uh, let's exalt him. Jesus are today. Let's exalt him. Lord of lords. I will exalt you, Lord. I will exalt you, Lord. That is what they're singing here. We get to be an answer to prayer. We get to change the dynamics of kids' lives. It means $40 sponsorship. You may not know them, but you're going to get to see them today for all those that chose to sign up. Now, here's the deal. The cool thing is, is if you didn't sign up last week and you want to sign up this week, you can. But these kids walked into a tent this last week with all of our pictures. Show the, show the video of the, the kid that walked in to choose one of our pictures. We just got one video of a, a kid going in. There's Mario right there with his hat. Him and Brittany, boyfriend girlfriend. Every 130 kids walked in and did that exact same thing. Chose us, amen. Not cool. Super cool, right? Do we have the collage of pictures? Do we have that? Do we have the collage of pictures? Show the collage of pictures. All these kids that went in. 9,000 miles away. Wednesday this last week. They chose us. It's pretty cool. Here's the deal I'm not here to. This is, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to do it, do it. We're not in it for the short term. We're not here like, hey, but well, we had this emotional moment. I signed up to sponsor this kid. And then when the feelings wear off in like three months, you're like, uh, oh, cancel, 40, for cancel, cancel, cancel. Right, this isn't about you and your emotional moment to feel good about yourself. This is about being a mature believer to say, is the Holy Spirit calling me to sacrifice $40 each month of my life, whatever it is each year, is it? $600, $360, somebody do the math for me, I can't. $360, there you go. I had to see the 12 and the 4 together. $360 a year, or $480 in Jesus' name, yeah, see? Yeah. Leading me astray, make me look like an idiot. $480 a month, hey, amen, or a year, goodness Jesus, Lord. I only went to private school for one year. I Public education for 11. Give me a break. Making up for it now. <laughs> That's why I married a doctor. Okay, um, so. Mama didn't raise no fool, all right? $480 a year. Now, if you want to sign up today, this is what you got to do. You got to text Pearl to five six there you go five, six, <laughs> one, seven, zero. Five, six, one, seven. If you want to sign up today you can do that you can sign up if you're online text pearl online to pearl online two five six one seven zero you can be a part of this what we're going to do right now is have everybody that signed up last week if you stand up with your your card And we're gonna see right now who chose us. Hopefully you went out there and got your card already. Amen. All right, we're gonna see. If you're just signing up today, in two weeks, you're gonna have a digital uh, reveal, which is gonna be super cool. So don't get me wrong, I'm not shaming anybody into doing this, okay? I know everybody in here that's a part of our church is doing something somewhere. So this isn't about, oh my God, look what they're doing, and look what you're not doing. But this is reveal day and we get to see the children that walked into a tent 9,000 miles away, looked at our faces and said, I want you to sponsor me. And this is a child that now we get to have a relationship with through modern technology. We can, I think we can quickly text them and uh, get a response back, not literally from them. Obviously they're kids. It's been like three days, why didn't they take me back? You know, calm down. But we get to interact with them. We get to encourage them on their journey. We get to help them. So go ahead. On the count of three, let's open our envelopes and see who we are. Or yeah, we're sponsoring today. Who chose us? One, two. Jesus loves you. He's your best. Three. Hey man, I don't know. Let's see what we got. Heather, did you get ours? Alright, give me one. We're sponsoring two kids, so I'll let you open them. Le miser. Le miser Eddie, man, this guy looks like Bryn Bear all day long. He looks like he's getting into some trouble. He's got that look on his face like, yeah, 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 yeah. You better watch after me, buddy. My kind of guy right here. Lee miser. Le miser What's y'all's, what's her name? Nadia, Aliyah. Something African. You're like, yeah, that's why. That's why I'm asking because I want to be like, I don't know. An H. Uh, there you go. Lemiser. L-E-M-I-S-E-R. That's a name right there. Lemiser? Lemiser? How do you say it? Lemiser? Nice. Cool thing about Africa is they still name their children by what they want them to grow into be. So there's probably a meaning behind this name. And if you got a name that you're like, what does that mean? Go look it up. Because that mother and that father have thought long and hard about what they want their kids to become. And they've named them something specific. So that'd be just another cool thing. That as you're praying for them, you can pray that over their lives because their mom is already, uh, and their mom and dad are already in a place where they're desiring that for them. Isn't that cool? Come on, let's give it up for everybody that shows today. Amen. That's amazing. Now, here's the deal. The last thing I'll leave you with here today is we all have been chosen. Every single one of us in here have been chosen. Jesus would speak this in John 15. I'll read it for the verse number 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that where, whatever you ask for, the Father in my name. He may give it to you. These things I've commanded you so that you will love one another. Jesus says he has chosen us. You did not choose me, I chose you. He made a decision. Now the beautiful thing is we all want to be chosen. We had a kid 9,000 miles away coming and choose us. But man, 2,000 years ago, Jesus showed up and he chose every single one of us. There is no work that we can do on this earth in order to gain and attain salvation. There is nothing we can do to remove us missing the mark of God's expectations. It only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ that has paid the price of our sin. It is only through him, his righteousness, it is only through him and his sacrifice that we become the righteousness of God. So if you're looking and you are searching for a peace today in a world in which we live in that is full of chaos, You're not going to be able to find it in the world and or a substance. You will find it in a name and a person and in his name is Jesus Christ. Look no further. It is in him and only him. It's in him and only him. He is our life. He is our living. He is our affection. He is our pursuit. When we live with that inside of our lives, everything else begins to work out. So if you are searching, and you are looking, and you are running, and maybe you are looking in all the wrong places, stop, stop. Stop with the nonsense, stop with the madness, stop with the lies, and stop with the ridiculous ideas on how to find peace. A pill ain't gonna do it, a substance isn't gonna do it, a therapist is not gonna do it eternally. Therapists are good, don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about eternal peace, the longing in our hearts to be at peace. It's Jesus Christ. If you don't have that peace and you wanna receive that peace, you wanna remove the longing in your life and you wanna say yes to Jesus, today can be your day where you stop the searching, you stop the running, and you step into the free gift of receiving Jesus Christ. You want to live a life to freely give? Start by freely giving or receiving Jesus Christ. It's not by your works. Stop trying. Stop feeling like you got to do more. You don't need to do more. You need to receive more. And as you receive, then you will move in a direction of doing. Love God first you'll move towards your neighbors. Amen? Every head looking at me. If you want to receive Jesus, raise your hand. Let me see you. Jesus says, if you acknowledge me here on this earth, I will acknowledge you in heaven. Amen? Let's receive Jesus. Let's let's secure our tomorrow. Let's read. Maybe you're recommitting your life to Christ. Praise God. Maybe you're receiving him for the first time. Here's the deal. Authentically as you receive Jesus is the starting point. Sanctification is a process that requires your affection and pursuit every single day. So as you wake up tomorrow, set the alarm for 8.30 or 7.30, 7.30. Set it for 30 minutes earlier than you normally get up and get ready to start pursuing Jesus. Get ready to start pursuing God. You're ready to get into a place where his spirit can change and transform you that you will be the new creation in Christ Jesus. Not just in sin, but also in your living. You can move, remove the shame of your life. All the weight that comes with, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I act like that? Why did I why did I present myself that way? You can get all that out the way so you can live unabandoned, unrestricted, limitless for your creator. Amen. Looking at me, you waved your hand, amen. You're making the best decision of your life. There's a party going on in heaven right now, amen. Let's all say the prayer together. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you for your living. We ask you to forgive us of our sin, the decisions we made that are out of alignment. We've messed up, we've fallen short. And today we ask that you would put your blood on our sin. You would wipe it out. You'd take the debt and remove it. Put us in right standing with the creator. Come into our hearts. Change our lives. May we be the new creation that you destined us to be. Commit our lives to you. We will love you and love others just as you've commanded us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen and amen. Amen.